Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of the Belgian Football Podcast. This is episode 16. My name is Ben Jackson and as always I'm your host and as usual I'm joined by our very own Tisu Dali and Suzuki, our own little strike partnership of the pod, Scott and Yoris. Yoris, how are you doing? Sitting here with very mixed feelings to be honest, but personally the, personally, everything is going great at least, so uh, yeah, let's, let's dive into this week. Yeah, we'll definitely get to the other side of your feelings later on, I'm sure listeners who have heard the news this week will know exactly what yours is uh talking about uh on the other hand scott how are you doing i'm good i'm good uh hi everyone my word have we got a lot to cover absolutely yeah so in this episode we're gonna obviously do our usual games of the week players of the week lots to talk about in that we're then gonna talk into probably the big discussion point around yes thorup leaving genk and then we've got a lot of european stuff to talk about including antwerp's big big win against spurs which was Great to watch. Yeah, as usual, we'll look ahead to match week 12. And we've got a got two listener questions, two really, really good listener questions um, to dive into as well. Scott, I'll start with you. What was your game of the week this week and then your player of the week as well? Well, for, for game of the week, I went for Anderlecht Antwerp. As we now know, it finished 1-0 to Anderlecht. And this is, I suppose, a game which kind of underlines the old footballing cliche about make sure you take your bloody chances in a game. I think the thing that stuck out for me was, you know, like afterwards Ivan Leko in his post-match press conference was talking about how frustrated he was that Antwerp didn't take their chances and that they dominated the game and that, you know, you've got to take your chances or at least some of them when you dominate a game as much as they did here. I mean, when you pick the game apart, Part a wee bit. Antwerp had like I think seventy one percent possession. Now possession for for the sake of it is is kind of pointless. Obviously, it's about what you do with it, and they created plenty of chances which they didn't kind of take. They had a higher pass succession rate. They had twice as many accurate passes. Uh, than Anderlecht, uh, more corners, more shots on target, more blocked shots. Um, all of the stats suggest that Antwerp were all over them, which they pretty much were, and they managed to lose the game still. And, you know, if you don't take your chances and the opposition, you know, do, then, you know, it wasn't a smash and grab by Anderlecht. But I can imagine the analysis with the Antwerp team when they have a look back at this game will be, you know what I'm going to say, lads, you know what you need to do. <laughs> Antwerp played quite well, actually, especially in the first half. Good game, good open game of football, better pace in the second half. On the whole, slightly disappointing, to be honest, despite the number of chances in it. I thought both sides were playing within themselves a wee bit, but um, a good a good positive game of football nonetheless. But yeah, the lesson of that game is take your chances, eh? Yeah, I was going to say, that's kind of like... We, when we were watching the um, the Spurs-Antwerp game, yeah. we were like, they need to take their chances here. They need to take their chances here. And they took one and that was thankfully enough. But you just had that niggling feeling that they'd just missed too many. And yeah. it was, like you said, in this game, it was like kind of like a repeat of that. But somehow Anderlecht took that chance. And then somehow Anderlecht didn't concede in the 80 plus minute, which is like, company must be buzzing. Because finally they've like kept a team out. And also for him, I think it's kind of like a, I saw, I think I saw on Twitter someone put about how it's kind of like a, they finally beaten a bigger side in the league, albeit it was quite like fortunate they were like easily could have lost the game. But for him, at least he can take something from that. Yeah, absolutely. Right. I think, I think it might be, I might be wrong in this, but it might be something like Antwerp's first one and four against Antwerp as well. And I think on Antwerp, uh, Anderlecht specifically, sorry, I think there, there's some signs of, of improvement, I think, there now that, that hopefully they can build upon. 
Yeah, absolutely. And did your um, player of the week come from this game as well? Yeah, yeah, he did. Um, this week I'm going for the young 21-year-old central midfielder, Anderlecht, Albert Lokonga, um, who is very, very highly rated by by lots, uh, not least obviously the uh, Anderlecht Academy. Um, really, really good young player who I think we're going to see and hear a lot more from. I think last season, I think he started something like 22 games, which is really quite good. And, you know, he'd be looking to to build upon that this season. I think he's got something like a 84% accurate pass rate across his seven games so far. He's only played in, in seven of the games, which is still pretty good. Uh, 60% around about 60% of his shots are on target as well although I was thinking he probably needs to up them a wee bit you know just to develop his game if he can 71% average tackle succession rate as well across the season which is which is good that's pretty impressive he provided the assist actually for Kairou's goal uh, just a nice a nice layoff yeah seven seven games so far this season one goal of his own one assist I mean, he didn't have a, a, a particularly spectacular game at the weekend. It was one of those kind of quietly solid and effective games where you thought, see if you can keep doing that, you're going to be a hell of a player. Definitely somebody to watch. Yeah, Albert Lakonga. About that assist, he also took advantage of the the confusion after at Antwerp where they just made an attacking change, a substitution, and it wasn't clear who had to follow him, and they didn't. And well, obviously he covered the ground a lot. I moved yeah. forward for tens tens of meters. Yeah, provided a good assist as well, indeed. And then yeah, that was a very good move by him. Yeah, absolutely. And um, on the on the goal scorer, Makari, that was his first start, I think, this season for um yeah. And- so I think we mentioned like Joris, you spoke about it a couple of weeks ago about I think it was someone's goal to game ratio, which was quite good. But now Makairi has the best goal <laughs> goals to minutes ratio in the league by far, coming on as a sub, putting that one away. So <laughs> if he never comes on again this season, he can take that award with him. Yeah, he he just arrived last week. They they, they had some administration administration issues in Turkey, so they didn't want to let let him go. Well, they couldn't let him go yet. Uh, so, but he arrived and he already took his quarantine in Turkey. So yeah, that that's why he finally could play as well. So we probably will. See see more of him in the upcoming games yeah I think because um, just looking he can play obviously anywhere across the front three mm-hmm. striker wise like is the match of the man he's shown some glimpses but I'm not convinced yet so any sort of like attacking options for them is pretty good Yoris I'll stay with you obviously if you follow our Twitter account you'll have seen it Yoris put out his team of the week I don't know if you want to mention any notable players in that, Joris, when you talk about your game of the week, although rumour has it you don't even have a game of the week. Rumour has it. Uh, <laughs> I decided to, since I haven't seen too many games uh, live this weekend, unfortunately, I had the idea of instead of picking a game I don't fully stand behind, because the ones I watched were quite bored, to be honest. I will go for a few moments of the week and I might continue doing so if this is actually more fun as well. Uh, but about this game, like I, I took two players uh, I want to give a shout out um, for my player of the week to Hannes Delcroix, who did an excellent job in keeping Ambokani out of the game. Of course, indeed, Antwerp did get a quite a few shots in, as Scott mentioned, but all in all, Mbokani himself didn't really get any of these. But in the end, uh, I to, chose for to go for a moment, another moment, uh, more uh, close to my team, and it's not even, the player himself is in the end didn't make the team of the week. Uh, it, I chose for the moment Brian Hannon, finally got back onto the field for Hink, 341 days after his second uh, ACL injury. 
And no, he didn't just come up on the field. He, he also really took the game in hand and got a gank midfield finally in order. Core is a bit held by the circumstances in the game. Uh, but because it was already 2-0 for Genk when he when he came on the field. But I feel like he could be a real game changer again for Genk uh, if he will be able to fix what he did in this game, that missing balance in midfields uh, between a midfield and a defense. He's not the most flashy of players, but with his positioning and forward passing as well, he might <laughs> be the missing piece for Genk and solve a lot of the issues that, that Genk obviously still are having because it's a more, way more difficult game than a 4-0, uh, what, it, what it was in the end. Unfortunately, also, while seeing the talking about ACL injuries, I also have to give a shout out uh, for another player who has his uh, second ACL and third knee injury. Uh, we contracted that this weekend at the age of 21, Standards captain Zino Van Neuze. So I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll also take this chance to wish him a good recovery. No, I could, just on that point that like, if you haven't seen it, I wouldn't recommend watching it. It's exactly. just kind of gives you the shivers. It's just, you can tell it's awful from the moment you hear that noise coming out of his mouth. So yeah, it's just such a shame for such a young player to have had this many horrendous injuries and stuff. So, yeah, I really hope he can recover and this is it. He never has to deal with these horrific injuries again. My game of the week, which is in the end also moments then, um, I want to highlight a few of them. And the first moment of the week uh, is the assist for the fourth goal of Ghent, uh, which is just an outrageous true ball by Vadis Ojija. Of course, it was against Vassan Bever, which which obviously doesn't have the best defense, but it was still an excellent ball at the right speed and given at the right speed and moment to set Yaremchuk up for his third goal. Talking about things you should see, if you didn't see that uh, one yet, uh, yet uh, I would go look it up. Another moment or face maybe in the end I want to highlight is uh, the end of the derby between Zoltwaren and Kortrijk. <laughs> oh, blimey, I... yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I just wanted to highlight a partic- peculiar feat. I had to adjust this, but I will come back to that later. That, uh, but the, that feat was that until minute 88, no player had been booked. While at that moment, <laughs> both coaches had received respectively a yellow card in the case of Frankie de Rie and a straight red card, uh, Yves van der Hagen. But as said, in the end, I have to expand this a little because the whole injury time was crazy with uh, disallowed goal, which took ages to confirm that it had to be disallowed by the VAR. Uh, there was also a penalty given after VAR review, which also took ages. Which, yeah, then that penalty was converted and it uh, became the equalizer for Kortrijk. And uh, yeah, the, in the end, there were some more cards for players as well, among which uh, a red one for Daniel Opare. The, the, the game somehow exploded at the end, but, but in, before injury time, there was nothing to it. So <laughs> they had to make up for something, I guess. Honestly, like I was watching that game and I was just like, I'm wasting 90 minutes of my life here. This is turgid turgid football so I think <laughs> 75th minute I get up I'm like okay I'm just gonna go do something and come back as I come back obviously you saw Tavaragema celebrating the goal and I was just like I've sat through this game and I've missed <laughs> one goal but thankfully they then decided to turn it into this bizarre game of like just VAR madness that just seemed to then go on forever like yeah <laughs> it was definitely a, it was really strange yeah like the VAR went on for ages but then the time wasn't added on at the end it was just weird like 
we'd waited forever for this penalty be t- to be taken. It gets taken and they end the game. And I was like, well, that doesn't make any sense. We've just waited forever for you to make this decision. And then like, you could tell the Courtois players were pretty angry because they're like, we've now got an extra man. We can probably get one more attack. And it just didn't happen. Yeah, exactly. Bizarre. Speaking of crazy games, I guess, my game of the week, yeah, it had to be beer shot against Leuven. 4-2, it finished to beer shot after um, a Messier free kick just went all the way in. Then Tisudali, Suzuki, Sanusi and Holtzhauser all scored to put uh, beer shot 4-1 up before uh, Henri penalty in the 82nd minute got it down to 4-2. Yeah, I was just looking at the stats on this game because it was just a bit crazy. Like It just seemed to be like kind of very, very attacking. Uh, so I think overall Beershot had 19 shots, according to the stats I looked at, and Leuven had 17 shots. So they were just creating chances all over the place. I thought Leuven, I think they probably, it, it was closer than it looks, I think. I think we all can agree that um, Van Hummel made some pretty outrageous saves. I can remember two off the top of my head. Holtzhauser was trying crazy, strange things with free kicks from weird angles to try and score <laughs> that were like hitting the post and all that stuff. Suzuki scored again. Him and Tisudali look like a really, really good partnership at the moment. I'm concerned if I'm the Boosie watching this because I'm like, I'm not getting back in that team unless one of these guys has a dramatic drop off in form or if they can fit him in into a different place. But I don't think it works with the balance of their side. I don't think you could play all three of them. I also wanted to give a shout out to, uh, to Sanusi for scoring. Uh, you could tell that he was shocked. The players look quite happy for him because I feel like yeah, they would probably saw he does quite a lot of the dirty work and kind of the unseen work for that side. And I think when I was looking at Y Scout data, he's like quite high up in um secondary assists, which mm-hmm. to me means he's the guy that gives Holtzhauser the ball and then Holtzhauser gives someone else the ball and they score. Or he's the guy giving Tisa Dali the ball and he's getting the assist. So he's very good at finding these key players, I guess, for beer shot. So it was nice to see him get on the score sheet. The Holtzhauser goal made me laugh because it was just like he couldn't have been in a better position for a ball that hit two defenders and then came to his feet. It's just like when your luck's in, your luck's in, and that's just you just it just had to fall to him. So yeah, really entertaining game. I'd definitely recommend watching the highlights because you'll see what I mean about um, Von Hummel. He was my player of the week for a couple of the saves he pulled off. They were really excellent. It was between him and Yeremchuk for me. Obviously, we know Yeremchuk's talked about leaving, but it's nice to see him in this league and scoring some goals. I think that's pretty much it on that game. Definitely exciting. I'll run through the rest of the results quickly. As you said, uh, Genk beat Yupin 4-0, but that, yeah, it was a strange 4-0 because Yupin were actually quite good. Shalawa uh, beat Circular Brugge 3-0. Uh, Berahino scored again. Golizadze scored a really nice goal. And then Shamar Nicholson came off the bench to score. Uh, Claude Brugge drew two with Mechelen. Would definitely recommend watching the highlights of this one. Igor Di Camargo scored a really, really nice little flicked goal. Yeah, that was close uh, to be one of the other moments. Yeah, if you want to, yeah, it's, it's just, it definitely deserves a moment of the week for sure. Definitely check that out. Standard Liège beat Oostend 1-0, thanks for the 86th minute goal. Vazand, uh, as we've already said, lost again 4-1. And then, yeah, Monday night, Zolta won, Quadrike won. One of the most boring but then ridiculous games. Right, I think that kind of sums up last week. I think one issue from last week that we definitely, definitely need to talk about, or kind of not really last week, it's now this week, isn't it? Is poor old Ioris has lost, he's got to deal with us talking about Genk's management situation. If you haven't seen the news, Jess Thorpe has left Genk, despite only being there for a handful of weeks. Uh, he has gone to FC Copenhagen in Denmark. 
bizarre. It's really bizarre. Um, Scott, what was your thoughts when you saw that news? Well, the, the, the first of the, that I heard of this was news started to kind of filter out on Sunday, I think it was. Um, and my initial reaction to it was, eh? I, I, I didn't really read anything into it at all. Um, in fact, I didn't even take it seriously. I just, you know, it came out of the blue. But it was a done deal kind of before I'd had a chance to get my head around it. I think, because I've now had, obviously, a day or so to, to have a think about it in more detail, I don't think this is a, a, a footballing decision so much. I think the, the family and the personal reasons are a, are a big, big fact. Yeah, I mean, it's... <sighs> It, it's a difficult one. I mean, it's it's the footballing equivalent of kind of disappearing overnight, really. And it, it, strong feelings are, are are kind of aroused in in all you know fans and players around departures like this, and and kind of rightly so. I think it's it's not it's not a good way of kind of conducting business, really, is it? I saw that Dimitri Decond, who's the technical director at Genk, uh, was was saying that the the players felt abandoned. Uh, which I thought was really interesting because obviously clubs don't tend to comment too much on a situation beyond kind of confirming actual news. Um, so for them to come out and kind of you know talk a wee bit about how the the squad was feeling was was interesting to me. Obviously, a player like Theo Bongonda who has reacted very very strongly is a really interesting one because in the last two or three weeks he's been playing really really well scored a couple of goals, seems to seems to have had a good working relationship with Thorup quite quickly because he's, he's really kind of kicked on in the last few weeks. He responded really strongly to his departure. Yeah, it's, it's an odd one. I, I I don't think he's going to be welcome back in, in, in Belgium for a wee while, but that's that's what happens when you, you leave in circumstances like that. Yeah, on the, um, if you haven't seen the Bongonda uh, situation we were referencing, if you go onto the 11 Sports Belgium Instagram account and just find their announcement of uh, Thorpe leaving. There's two, there'll be two of them. One of them is Thorpe with the Copenhagen shirt. You'll see Bongonda's reaction there. And then another one is <laughs> Thorpe and Bongonda hugging, I think it was on from Friday's game. And then they've tagged him in it to get another reaction from him. And he's given quite a similar reaction. So <laughs> he's definitely not happy about it. Before we bring in Joris, I think to give him more time to like just have to ignore this situation you can just put us on mute and go do something else we got a question in from what load of waffle uh, on this situation it's reasonably long but i'll read it all out because i think he makes a really interesting point is thorup to copenhagen actually a good move uh, he'll most likely be successful in denmark and then what i can't help but think of uh, inga Britsen, but the other way around went from doing very well at rosenborg to ustend ustend was maybe the best he could could get from doing well in scandinavia failed at ustend although not all his fault went to Cyprus and now he's back in Norway. Is it now over for Thorup in terms of taking another big step in a better foreign league? Just to answer this quickly, I think for him personally, he'll do well in Copenhagen. I think they are the biggest sides in Denmark. You've obviously got um, Mitterland as well. So you kind of like got those two at the top. I don't know masses amounts about Danish football, but Copenhagen at the name, you always see them qualifying for European competitions and stuff like that. So I think he'll do well, but I see the Danish league as a step down from the Belgian league. I don't know if you guys agree. I don't know if that's just me being biased. So I believe that he's taken a step backwards, almost. And I don't think that's going to help him if he then wanted to move to a bigger or better foreign league. I feel like the Belgian league is probably a better league to move to a bigger league from, if you guys get what I'm saying. I don't know what you guys think. Yeah, I think I think before we kind of you know kind of get into it a bit more with Yoris, I, I I tend to agree with you, Ben. I think you know as I was alluding to, I think the decision has been 
heavily weighted in favour of of personal reasoning as well. Um, there's definitely family reasons there, you know, in, in relation to kind of going back to Denmark. I think, you know, historically with Copenhagen being the biggest club, obviously the last couple of years they've been Michelin shadow. Um, so I suppose that's the challenge. Thorup, interestingly, of course, won the championship with Michelin, and that that's really what got him his, his, his big move to, to Ghent in the end, um, which is kind of interesting. Um, I Perhaps reading between the lines here, maybe it's the sort of personality who isn't really looking for maybe that next big step. He's maybe not that bothered about going to France or Germany or England or anywhere else. He might be more than happy with, you know, um, the biggest club in Denmark. And I, I think that's okay. Um, there's there's kind of nothing wrong with that at all. But I, I do agree with what a load of waffles, the premise of his question, and that I think any opportunity that he might get then to have a, a bigger stepping stone probably is, is, is gone in the short to medium term. And he would probably have to move somewhere else in Europe and do something interesting there to, to be even considered for, for a bigger job. I, I, I've made no secret of the fact that I quite like Yesorup. I, I like him as a coach. I think he likes to play positive football. This is a shame this has happened in the way it has because as someone on Twitter was saying um, just yesterday, um, I don't think he can call himself a gentleman any longer. No, I think <laughs> that ship has definitely sailed. Yoris, let's bring you in on this now. Like, well, uh, first, Yeah, yeah, of course, but I will also dive into the question and Play a bit of advocate of the devil. Do you know any coaches that made a big step from coaching in Belgium to yeah. abroad? That that also don't doesn't happen. So I don't think there's any decrease in chances there, but it's just equally low. Yeah, uh, <laughs> true. To be honest, to give an, a more objective view so far, yeah. <laughs> I think that might fair. change soon. And uh, yeah, about the whole situation. I'm obviously still full of emotion and it might indeed come off a bit as childish. Someone that behaves like he did, um, I will walk you through a bit as well now, uh, giving a post-match interview, which was very positive about the club, to then give his players two days off and then drive home straight after the press conference to finish, finish talks already with a different club only to come back to finish the financial de details at gang sites uh, without any signs beforehand and retaking everyone in the club, including the players, obviously by surprise. is uh, Someone who does that is not really worthy of more of my words. And I have to say, my words on itself are not worth that much, uh, as you guys know. <laughs> so yeah. uh, that doesn't necessarily mean much, and he will not feel that uh, anyway. At, uh, at some level, I do understand the move even. Um, also, I have to talk a bit against what Scott says. He didn't mention anything family-related. That, that would be understandable. Uh, but yeah, I think he actually is making a financial move forward because, well, the league might yeah. be lower, but yeah. Copenhagen itself is obviously... Uh, is a big club there. There's no denying mm -hmm. that. And also realistic enough for for understanding the move in some way. But just the way this all has developed, like touching on the gentleman point, well, the way this all has developed is just, I, I can't really say it differently than shit. <laughs> yeah, that, that, yeah. That, that, the image that he had as a gentleman that's completely destroyed now, obviously. Yep. And it would yeah. have been more understandable it would still be very annoying and, and, and bad for Hink but if he would have told someone at least like and didn't play the happy card a whole time until everything was signed 
I'm, I'm, I'm already talking too much about him. Yeah. No, no, I, I don't think you are. We, we kind of want to hear your fire, actually, Yoris, because it's. Uh, I think it's quite important. I think listeners will as well. Something I wanted to ask you just generally about it, you know, as, as a Genk fan, purely on, on, on the fan side of it, on the scale of one to ten, how how pissed off are you about just, just that whole situation? It's definitely at least an eight, but then again, Big. mostly about yeah the way it's gone. Like many uh-huh. people, like I'm, like me, I think, and even people inside the club, I guess, can understand at some level the move. But the way it has been rolled out, that no, definitely no, that's not how you do it. Uh, especially now, well, obviously, the the club has at least. In, at least in points, made a real good move forward. And playing level was not that high all the time, but there were some signs of improvement. Could have gone better. Um, he was also actually the first trainer in many years that didn't get a contract for um, with indefinite uh, timing, but uh, he signed a contract for two or three years. And that was for bringing the stability to the club. And then after six weeks, that's, that's gone. <laughs> it just disappeared. feel a bit helpless as a fan, maybe even uh, to say it like that. Mm. It's, it's frustrating to be a fan of a club that is like right underneath the top, I would say, that's trying to get at the top, but then for different reasons. And also people leaving for, well, in the, their eyes, the top, while you were on track to that, again, mm-hmm. yeah, that, that doesn't help. And that's... It seems like the club is always good being thrown back at it. Probably there's things in the club that are inside mechanisms inside the club that are wrong for that as well somehow. But this this is the roller coaster of a gang fan. <laughs> and, uh, it's just the one of these rides again, and yeah, it's not a fun one this time. No, absolutely not. And I was gonna say um, just before we quickly go to break, with I guess if we look at the table, you guys are literally three points off the top. Who do you want to come in? Obviously, Charlotte will have a game in hand, but yeah, three points off the top in seventh place, like. It's wide open, but who, where, where do you want Genk to go? Like, we've had, I feel like we're just repeating an episode we had before about the next coach after after Hannes Wolfler. <laughs> yes, but, and now, and now yeah. it's, it, that's actually another thing. That's also the main thing, the main concern among Genk fans to come back to that. Who will they bring in now? Um, yeah, for me personally, and to do also do the unethical thing of buying a coach as well, though. Um, yeah, that's why I also understand the whole sentiments. King also did it with bringing Clement in as well um, earlier. Yeah, that's that part I understand, and it's annoying for everyone involved, but it happens. Uh, in that sense, is uh, blessing the coach from Ostende. It's still a big gamble. That's it's, he's only in charge for eleven games in uh, a senior squad. But what he's done, well, we've been talking about it our, for weeks now already. The, the group spirit is good. Even the, in the beginning, the results didn't follow straight away. But there was a straight plan uh, that you could see from day one, really. And yeah, he seems like he knows what he's doing. And like also, they, they are looking for someone like a father figure, is what they say. And I think he can fill in that role with still being severe enough, uh, not not too soft. But and yeah, it seems like he can uh, can can bring his message to a group, and then uh, they will pick it up easily. Seems. But what has been named so far is what I've heard. I think Mark Bres is again rumored, which is still a weird rumor since I don't think he will always he will always bring in the his own whole coaching staff, which is not really an option inside. Uh, I think, as I talked about before, yeah, uh, because there are some 
how to say that club legends in in these positions and well they definitely don't want to move them around too much anymore either but Brian Prisken is also mentioned ironically the Danish coach of Midtjylland um, now it I, I would be surprised if he would leave that job though since they're playing in Champions League and doing quite well in the domestic season uh, in Denmark as well uh, but he's also an ex-player of both Henk and Brugge uh, so he he knows the Belgian league But yeah, for me, there's really only one candidate that's really standing out. And I'm not sure if it will be him, but I fear if it's not him, that it will be one of these recurring names. Well, for you guys, probably less known, but recurring names, which are uh, have yeah. a lot of more experience uh, that we can base our opinion on. But unfortunately, in all of these cases, there's some bad things to say. And uh, well, Blessing has an advantage of not having this bad experience yet no i think i think blessing would be it would be a cool appointment one thing i would say just to give you some like just so you can relax a little bit is at least laszlo baloney is currently employed so he's not going to make that random return to belgian football again who knows? Take who, knows? who knows <laughs> no he's currently in greece so he can stay over there and it's fine blessing is also employed Dorup was also employed that's all <laughs> that's all crux in the whole situation <laughs> yeah i think yeah hopefully hopefully some positive news so that you can move on from this situation and by the end of the season everyone forgotten yes Tharp. um but i can't imagine that happening but yeah we'll wait and see obviously we'll keep everyone updated on the podcast and when the news is announced we will obviously cover that uh we're going to take a quick break now and on the other side we're going to look at the european ties from last week uh look ahead to the next match week and answer some listener questions Welcome back to part two of the Belgian football podcast. Um, we're just going to dive straight into the European games that took place last week. Uh, first up, we had Bruges against a very, very depleted Lazio side. Unfortunately, Bruges went 1-0 down and were pretty poor in the first half, I thought. Their lack of striker really told De Ketelara and Dennis were usually found too wide. When they crossed it, there's no one in the box. They really struggled. They got a penalty... I think it was Patrick from Lazio just pulled down. It might have been Ritz. Van Aken scored it. Second half, Bruges were a lot better. Probably could have won it. They had a couple of good chances. But then Lazio also had a really good chance with Sergei Milinkovic-Savic. Uh, ended one all. Just quickly, guys, what did you think of this? Do you think it's kind of like a really a missed opportunity for Bruges? Definitely. Um, yeah, I, I think, you know, when I was watching it, I, I was a wee bit frustrated because um, it was quite obvious early on to me that... that Lazio were were probably going to be happy with a point because of the circumstances in which they were playing the game, which we all know about now. And they did what top Italian sides do all the time and have done historically, and that is defend brilliantly um, and t at times in a very negative way. You know, that that sort of the, the Catanaccio style that, that we kind of spoke a wee bit about in our WhatsApp chat was just very, very apparent, you know, where, you know, kind of two banks of four, you know, the, the full backs drop back in, they tuck in, which is mostly an Italian thing, although not exclusively. Um, and then when out of possession, you know, really, really aggressive to try and win the ball back. Bruges, Bruges will be disappointed not to have got the three points because um, the opportunity was there. They just kind of, you're right, although there was an improvement in the second half. Yeah, I, I, I couldn't agree more. 
<laughs> Great. I think we're there. We're definitely all in agreement. Um, I think with the game against Dortmund coming up as well, it's just a bit frustrating that they could have been in a really, really strong position. I think, I just don't know, with this Dortmund game, I think I think they'll go with the same attacking idea of if they if they can, COVID injury dependent of De Ketelaar and Dennis, mm-hmm. just because it may suit the way they might want to play against Dortmund because they're just not going to see as much of the ball as they did against Lazio. Uh, that's for sure. But I'm just not, I don't know. I was watching the game and I just want to see more from Emmanuel Dennis. I wanted to see more from mm. Clefton Diata as well. And he showed a little mm. bit more in the second half, but he's guy I've been hyping up. Dennis has been hyped up and now I have expectations that just aren't being met, if I'm honest. I'm expecting a lot more, I think. Yeah, he's I think he's lucky he didn't mad. get the move. <laughs> I'm just frustrated, man. <laughs> like, I just want to see more from players that have that are being linked with these big clubs and big moves. I think you should be able to bring it yeah. on that stage and a bit more from Emmanuel Dennis hopefully I, I I think tomorrow against Dortmund he could he could be a really a big factor tomorrow as of recording maybe not as of release but yeah I think he could be a big factor in that game and I, I just I do think they can get something from this game because Dortmund are they can just be very inconsistent I think we'll move on from that one so the one probably everyone wants us to talk about, I know people, as soon as the game was finished, were messaging us and being like, are you going to talk about it? And I mean, we could have not, was Antwerp's win against the Jose Mourinho-led Tottenham side. Joris, you want to give us a lowdown on this one? Tottenham sucked. Antwerp was good. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm a bit short in words now. But yeah, that, that's the so basic true. summary, you yeah. know, again, yeah. in the childish way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah. yeah, so the no, Tottenham was nowhere and uh, Antwerp should have won more. Well, we already touched it on, a bit, on it a little bit in the first part. Um, yeah, they should have won the game way before the final whistle uh, went. Yeah, at least they won. That's the most important part, of course. And they got themselves in a good position for uh, the crucial games against Lask, leaving them with a little margin of error, possi- possibly even now. Yeah, there, you're right, you're in a great position now. I, I'm I'm really enjoying the fact that virtually everybody, aside from obviously Antwerp fans, have have underestimated them, actually. We know that on their day they're, they're a good side. Um, and I really liked, really, really liked the way that actually what they did was they, they played the game and not the occasion. Yeah. Um, there was a lot of noise around this game for various reasons, one of them being obviously Antwerp, the connections with English football and Antwerp's heritage, which if you go back and listen to our Antwerp special, have a wee search, you'll find that, you'll um, you'll learn a wee bit more about that. But yeah, they played they played the game and not the occasion, and that, that really, really impressed me, actually. Yeah, I thought, I just want to give a shout out to Rafael. I think he was just brilliant in that game. He mm. kind of almost ran the game. Umbakani has to score that chance he had. He a great, his pass for the oh, goal was really oh. good, actually. I thought it showed lots of composure. And then the next, yeah. like, I had my head in my hands. I was <laughs> like, that's the game. And then Euclid goes through, and I'm like, right, I've seen you score a few good goals. Bit of composure, and he blazed it over. And I was like, oh, it's going to come. But <laughs> In rugby, that would have been a real nice goal. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it would have been beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I thought Sec defended brilliantly as well. There's a couple of blocks that he did which were just mm. exceptional. I just thought, mm-hmm. yeah, like you said, Scott, they played the game and they were the better team. I think I, you just felt that during the game. Like, I was a bit worried about what Tottenham were going to do, but even when they brought on Harry Kane and I can't remember else they brought on, didn't really do anything, did it? Like, I don't think Harry Kane... Yeah, that's how poor they were. Can't pick anyone out. 
I just remember Winks having a bad shot. And you know, if Winks is trying to shoot, then you're probably fine. Um, <laughs> no offence to Harry Winks, but he's not the man you're concerned about when Hyunmin Song and Harry Kane are on the pitch. Uh, unfortunately, outside of Antwerp, Thursday night wasn't actually great for the Belgian sides. Despite me thinking that Ghent could beat Hoffenheim, they obviously heard me and were like, there's no way he's going to be right. Let's just go and lose 4-1 and miss a penalty. I didn't watch this game. I was watching the standard game. and the Antwerp. I know it was on at the same time as the Antwerp game. So, yeah, I was enjoying the Antwerp game. Ghent up against Red Star, which we have a special episode coming out on as well, if you want to learn more about Red Star. I think, I don't know if you guys disagree, but do you think Ghent are out? It's still lost chance, obviously. <laughs> I, I still I still leave a little room, but of course they have to win these both games against uh, Red Star. Since, well, they're only three points behind second spot still, though, because of the other results. Well, of course, they're not going to win the group. I don't think anyone expected that anyway. Mm. So I think this game might prove important. They could all be, they could be second if they really beat uh, Red Star very comfortably on Thursday, even already if Hoffenheim then also does uh, their job against Slovan Liberec. Yeah, I, I still, it's a bit early to say to say that definitely has caught it, uh, <laughs> I say, and as you, as you are implying, I think, as well. But yeah, of course, they have to improve a lot, of course, and it will be very terrible because, they, yeah, there's a keeper situation which where I touch yeah. on uh, in the podcast, in the special episode as well. Yeah, absolutely. The last one with Anna is really good. Uh, if you haven't listened to that already, that's a really interesting side. Uh, sorry, forgot to preview that one slightly, but yeah, that's going to be a good game. I'd watch Antwerp Lask if you're going to watch any of the Belgian games this week. That'll be a really good one. Standard against Benfica, as I said, I watched this one and the difference in class and quality was just quite evident. Um, yeah, yeah. I don't think we can be too negative about Standard. I think when you look at the players that Benfica have, they're just a really, really good team with some really, really good players. So they did kind of, they didn't help themselves by giving away another couple of penalties. They are also the only side in the group yet to score a goal, which is a slight concern. But up next, they have Lech Poznan. And we spoke to Chris Lash from Right Bank Warsaw about that one. So if you're interested in Lech Poznan, definitely check that out. Scott again and yours again. Do you think Standard are out? Do you think they've got a chance? In this case, yes, they are out. <laughs> <laughs> here, here I'm more confident since, well, the Rangers games was very important in that one and they lost that. And, well, even if they would start winning, they will have to get a better result than a 2-0 win against Rangers. Yeah, I, I can't really add anything any different to that. I completely agree with Joris. I think they've, they've been miserable to be honest actually um in, in Europe thus far um so they might be as well to concentrate on the pro league to be honest now I think yeah I agree I think I don't even think it's a foregone conclusion that they could beat Poznan I think Poznan are a decent mm. side yeah they at least scored against Benfica when they played them and were unlucky against Rangers um but like you said yeah standard could just focus, like start to focus on the league they're a point off top spot so that's yeah. That could happen, but I don't think they're going to win the league. I still don't think they've got enough quality. They could do with getting Jackson Willeka back on the pitch, I think. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. He was signed to be their striker and he's just been injured a couple of times. So hopefully. I think an interesting factor here as well with the, with the Poznan standard game uh, this week is obviously standard have a pretty big game away to, to Antwerp coming up. 
uh, mm. on on Sunday, and that that's certainly the more important game of the two this week for them. So um, that that probably will influence whatever's going to happen Europa League wise this week. I think as well. Spoken like a true Mourinho. This is uh, <laughs> I, that's 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 the, that's the best insult I, I've had in ages, Yoris. <laughs> you know, I'll tell all our listeners now. I'm I'm not a Mourinho a devotee. Um, I'm I'm in the the man's a fraud camp. Um, <laughs> since, since we're touching on him, but um, yeah, that's for another podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, Antwerp sure. Sure helped you with that that uh, argument. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's while you mention that domestic stuff, let's move on from the European stuff. I think Joris, what game are you looking forward to in match week twelve? There are a few again. This time I will take Scott's uh, usual advice: uh, watch all of them or as many as you can at least. <laughs> uh, also, since I mentioned I. I uh, mentioned myself I wouldn't take my own team's games too too often unfortunately it's been two weeks since I said that I think and it's already time again so uh, there's the, the derby between St. Erde and Genk uh, this weekend so uh, I'm really looking forward to that also to see if there is already a new coach um, and how it will go if there's not a new coach yet it will be interesting to see but I also well Antwerp first uh, against Standard which has been mentioned already it's definitely one to, to look out for as well. Uh, and another one, against, against uh, Anderlecht. I think this could also be an interesting game and might even turn against season around. And that's, a, that's a hot take and I'm not very hot convinced with, um, with this one. <laughs> <laughs> but who knows? Indeed. Um, Scott, what game are you looking forward to this week? I'm quite looking forward to um, Friday night's game, Mecklen at home to Charleroi. Um, that should be a, a really good open attacking game of football, I think. A very tricky one for Mechel and that, as we know, you know, they, they really, really, uh, I moan about this a lot when we talk about them, uh, talking about teams who waste chances. Um, there's no chance they're going to be able to do that in this game um, and, and get anything from it. They, they really need to... Yeah, take chances, otherwise I think they might get crucified here. Another one uh, worth a look is Leuven at home to Muscron. Not something we say very often, but I think we're all dying, dying to watch some <laughs> Muscron action. I think, yeah. I, I, <laughs> I, I wouldn't say I'm dying to watch them, but I'm definitely <laughs> intrigued to see them. I think, because I feel like if we put too much emphasis on watching them, people are going to get a bit upset when they realise that it's the same old Muscron. Surely it's going to be better. And let's hope we can see them. I think they've had, in a way, it's been nice that they've had time with their manager, but in another way, it's probably, they need to get out back out on the pitch. Yeah. Fitness-wise and disruption-wise and all that sort of stuff. Like, it'd be good to get them back out there. I feel a bit sorry that they didn't have a game last weekend because, the mm. game, as, as I said in the beginning, the games I watched were awful and the Muscoon game would have been perfect in that weekend. <laughs> I think uh, I think Muscron are going to get a lot of coverage from us in the next three or four weeks because we're all just really keen just to see how things start to unfold now. Yeah, no, definitely, I'm definitely um, intrigued to see what comes out of that new management and style. Speaking of styles, I've gone for Oostend against Club Brugge. I think we mentioned it a few weeks ago when um, Brugge played against Standards that the Standard press really put Bruges under a lot of pressure, and we all know that Oostend like to play this high intense like pressing game putting pressure on the opposition so i'm interested to see how blues respond to that 
especially when we consider that they're going to go from a Dortmund side who will press them when they're on the ball more than likely as well to an East End side that will do it, but not as well. Like, how they're going to adapt between those two games, I guess. And, like, they have looked a bit dodgy at the back when they're playing it around. Um, there was a couple of times in that Mechelen game where they looked a bit, where they just gave the ball away or something like that. So if Blessing's still there, if um, he hasn't gone to Genk or anything like that, which I, I think will definitely, well, I'm not going to say for sure, but I think he'll be there for this game. So, yeah, I think it's going to be an intriguing game. Bruges dropped points again, obviously, on the weekend. Yeah, they haven't won a game in the, the last three games. They didn't win. So if they don't win this one, okay, the, the Champions League results so far cover it up a bit, but mm. it could become a bit dire for Clement, actually, maybe, Oli. That Yeah, I was about to say, actually, yeah, there's he could start to come under a bit more pressure, which is interesting if they do get through in the Champions League but start to struggle, continue to struggle in the league. They're lucky that it's still so tight, I guess. Mm-hmm. Charlotte obviously have a game in hand over the rest of the teams in the top six, seven. Mm-hmm. So they could stretch their lead over Blues to five points. But again, I don't think that's like um like achievable for them to catch that like five points isn't that hard, like that big a gap. And all these teams are going to drop points as they go. So yeah, interested to see how East I think East End can definitely score cause them some problems. Uh, I'll just quickly run through the rest of the games that we haven't mentioned, although I think we've mentioned more, apart from there's Kortrike against Beershot on Saturday, Yupin uh, against Vazan Beverlin also on Saturday, and then the Sunday night game is Circle against Zolta Valagem. Uh, no Monday night game this week, thankfully, because I think as we we spoke about, like we spoke about personally, I can't remember if we've said it on the chat, but we think the Monday night games have been probably the worst ones this season, <laughs> so... Thankfully, we're not having another Monday night game this week. But we're going to stay on the topic of the Monday night game. Uh, so massive thanks to Richard for emailing us. Richard is a Courtrike fan from Canterbury. I'm sure he is one of the very few Courtrike fans from Canterbury. Uh, that's for sure. And his question isn't actually about his team. His question is, are insurgent teams like Shallower and Beershot here to stay? Or are they a flash in the pan created by the strange current conditions? I thought that's an excellent question. If I'm honest, mm. I thought I had, to, mm. I had to really think about it because yeah, I think with the current situation, you can't like remove it from how the league has gone this year. I think you can't ignore the fact that COVID has and will have an impact on everything from like in-game like preparation for matches, all these tests and stuff, like the psychological effect it'll have on players, as well as in the lack of fans, the lack of atmosphere and all that sort of stuff. Although, speaking, uh, he mentioned Shallow Art, they still like to set off their fireworks and clappers during the game just outside of the stadium. And if anyone watched that Antwerp Tottenham game, they'll notice, I think, about in the 85th minute, someone started letting <laughs> off a load of fireworks. And I was like, they've, it's the curse of like premature celebration. But the, the fans are trying in a weird way by setting off all these fireworks and stuff. But yeah, I don't know who wants to take this one first. I think it's a really interesting question and quite a hard one to answer, actually. I think it's a brilliant question, Richard's question. I, I really, really like it. I, I had to think as well about this. I I think, yeah, I see, the thing with Charleroi is um, they had a good season last year and the question was always going to be, can they, could they continue and build upon that? And obviously they have and probably exceeded even their own expectations. What you have to remember is there's a squad there which is very good, I think. It's very balanced. All of the players uh, know their positions and roles within the system that Kareem Bellasin wants them to play. I think 
not being in the Europa League, failing to uh, make the group stages um, will will help them ultimately, especially if, if Bruges are doing okay as well, um, personally. And if, crucially, again, the other factor that obviously we don't know here with Charleroi is, can they steer clear of big injuries? If that squad can stay clear of injuries, um, I... I I'll make a hot take of my own here, Joris. I'll call it now. I think if that happens, I think Charleroi can win this league. Beershaw, really good side. If they can keep the core of that team together, you know, Tisadale, um, Nabisi, Suzuki, Van Hamel, some guy called Holhauser, who apparently is quite good. I think key for them is keeping that the core of that squad together. If they can do that, particularly at the end of the season when people are going to come calling for, for some of the players that have really stood out there, then I don't see why they can't go on and have another great, great season next year. So, yeah, I think I think coronavirus is definitely a factor in this because it's, it's disruptive and you can't predict what's going to happen. But I think what Charlois and Beershot are doing, I don't think it is totally freak and, and, and random. There is a, there's reasoning behind it and it's clear to see what it is. Yeah, um, I mostly agree. Charleroi being champion, that's a good hot take, I would say. But, <laughs> yep. but I may have egg in my face. I may have egg in my face come the end of the season, but I'll give you that hot take now. <laughs> Definitely. I, I don't see it completely impossible, of course. Um, also, they have a quite stable basis now. They've been very been performing very well it's not coming out of the blue not only last year they did well last year was their best season in uh, recent years but mm. the last six years they've always placed five uh, which is a qualification for the play it was a qualification for the playoffs with six for the title so they qualified one two three they do a quick count four times in the last six years so mm -hmm. they they also have this experience with the at least with the top duels uh, in the in the playoffs And they've been steadily building up their team. The, yeah, I'm actually very impressed with their way of doing things. Uh, with Bearsfield, I think it's a bit of a different case. I see them at a lower level and, well, they clearly have to fix some things in defense still. Um, yeah. I believe they're, 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 mm -hmm. I saw a statistic that they... Uh, that their games have the most goals in all across Europe in the <laughs> yes. last seven games or something. <laughs> or um, not only because their attack, of course, it helps. So they still scored more. As long as they score more than they concede, that's actually lovely to watch. Uh, perfect. Yeah, if they can't, I, I don't know if there's a really strong basis for that. Of course, they, they now have the, the partnership with Sheffield. This could help them as well uh, financially. That's another big thing, I guess. Charleroi definitely sold some players already for big money late uh, last season, so they're financially really stable. With Bairnsfeld, yeah. we still have to see that. It's if you, if you see that they still are not sure that they can actually financially hold on to Holzhauser, yeah, that doesn't give the best signs yet. And of course, the whole uh, COVID situation doesn't help for any team. Um, but yeah, I, the, I don't think they will be staying on top, but they will be able to be... Well, they will already be happy with that as well, I think, to be a stable um, team inside the, the first division since they well, they just only just came out of uh, second division as well, of course. So I think I can say I like, maybe in the in the longer term future there might be an opportunity. Yeah, I think I definitely agree on um on those two points. I think Shadowa their situation is definitely different to what Beer Shots is, considering they've been in the league longer and stuff and they're like past seasons. So I think they're kind of ready to challenge for the league. And I think 
Furthermore, I think from what you guys said as well, I think Scott about not being in Europe, kind of like, I don't know if this is true or not. It's kind of just like a thought that just popped into my head. It's like, if they're not in Europe, they're not traveling around Europe, which means they're probably less likely to get into situations where they're going to contract COVID more. Because yeah. if you get COVID, yeah. you're going to lose some players and stuff like that. So like, uh, and like, yeah, I think for the, some of the other clubs, having players that are playing for inter- international teams as well, like if you can limit that. Although Charleroi, they do have players that are playing for international teams as well. So like, there's that issue there. But I think not being in Europe, not travelling around Europe, it's kind of lessening the likelihood, I guess, of you catching COVID, even though the situation in Belgium isn't exactly great compared to the rest of Europe. I think that's just like a limiting factor, limited, limits injuries as well, because you're just playing one game a week, you're not playing two. So, yeah, they've got a great opportunity if they can keep fit. Just quickly on beer shot, when you look at them, they've played 11 one seven lost four they don't draw games they either win them or they lose them um, <laughs> they've conceded 25 goals which is actually horrific um, it's the second most conceded goals so i think if they could sort out their defense i know we want them to play this attacking great style but i think if they just a few tweaks in defense keep the attacking players you've got because you'll score goals i'd be a bit more confident about them staying up there but i think i do think we'll see a little bit of a drop off from beershot i think they'll kind of drop uh, like Yoris said, probably like into that middle tier of teams, which is actually a great first season uh, back up in the top flight for them. I think as long as they entertain us, I think we're happy for them to stay as long as they possibly can and give some people a bloody nose every now and then with their style of play for sure. Uh, and I think, yeah, that's all we have time for on this episode of the Belgian Football Podcast. Personally, I'm being called away to watch the Great British Bake Off. So apologies if you wanted to hear the chat continued continuing to go on but i don't think my wife would be happy if we missed the start of the bake-off thanks once again to scott and yours for joining me welcome as always pleasure yep it's been it's been great really enjoyed chatting to you guys yeah definitely an enjoyable one tonight for us i hope you guys feel the same as always just a quick shout out to freelance football ops Uh, if any of you listening are interested in signing up to freelance football ops subscription based newsletter Definitely check them out because they find you jobs which cover writing, design, video, audio and anything in uh, like football media. You get a newsletter that comes through to your email account every week. Uh, really good, great opportunities in there that cover like everything. Uh, so for more info, just uh, find them on Twitter, Freelance Football Ops. If you just search that, you'll find them or go to www.freelancefootballops.com and yeah that as we said wraps it up for this week please continue to check out our special episodes uh the guys and us well all three of us have worked really hard to get these together and we really hope you guys are enjoying them we certainly enjoyed making them and learning all about these clubs we have almost covered every single opponent i think we are just waiting on one more uh but hopefully we'll get that one nailed down for you as well and then yeah they're all out there so yeah keep checking those out really good fun as always if you enjoy listening to the podcast and like what we're doing We'd be grateful if your uh, podcast app that you listen to on gives the opportunity for reviews or ratings. Please do give us a review and rating. We'd love to receive feedback, bad or good. It helps us grow. It helps us learn. So you can get in touch with us as always on Twitter by tweeting at Belgian Podcast. Or you can email us at BelgianFootPodcast at gmail.com. Alternatively, if you just want to harass us individually, you can do that as well. (laughs) Uh, My Twitter is at Benjack94. 
Scott is at Scott underscore coin and Joris is at Joris underscore Beck, B-E-C-Q. Thank you everyone for listening as always and we'll see you soon on another episode of the Belgian Football Podcast.